Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for April 4th, 2018. Hopefully everybody could hear Matt and I clear because we've got brand new recording technology. Uh, it's not really technology. We're just using Google Hangouts instead of Skype because it's been a little scratchy recently. So hopefully that helps and people could hear us better. Uh, pretty short slate for Wednesday. We just have five games to go over. But I, I think it's a pretty solid five-game slate. So starting with the pitching, at the top we have... Carlos Martinez and Johnny Cueto. Uh, Cueto started the year really good. I don't necessarily think I'm buying it. And the other thing, too, fairly difficult matchup against the Mariners. And Cueto doesn't strike out a ton of guys, so I kind of question his upside at 9,600. Carlos Martinez at 10,200 is playing the Brewers, who were fairly strikeout prone last year. But Martinez, I, I think that there's probably more upside in targeting him than actually using him tomorrow. And I think he'll have a decent amount of ownership. So what do you think of these guys, Matt? Well, I have no interest in Cueto. Um, even in his first start of the season where he was really good against the Dodgers, he only had, I think it was, was it four or five strikeouts? Uh, I guess not, not really a significant difference either way. I don't know where my stats page just went. I think it was four. So four- lost the new technology. Yeah, yeah, so much new technology. I don't even know what's going on. So four four Ks in seven innings, no walks. I mean, Cueto pitched well, but the results were a lot better than his performance. And he wasn't good last year. He was good in 2016, um, and he was kind of just okay in 2015. So I don't know. Cueto might be still an above-average pitcher. I think he could be a pretty good pitcher this year. He could also be just mediocre. Um, at times last year, he was very bad. So if I had to guess, I think Cueto ends up being – you know, like a three wins above replacement pitcher or so. That's roughly what the projection systems like Steamer and Zips have him. And that's okay, I guess. Like, I wouldn't use him at this price, though. Um, it's a probably okay matchup. So he's at home in a pitcher's park, San Francisco, the best pitcher's park in baseball. Um, the wind is blowing out, but that usually doesn't matter in San Francisco. So whoever's looking at the wind, uh, the way that AT&T Park is set up, it kind of just mitigates the wind effect. So if it's 15 to 20 miles an hour, maybe that only is like a five-mile-per-hour win somewhere else. Uh, but Cueto's facing the Mariners at home, and Nelson Cruz is out. So that makes the matchup easier. But the Mariners still have a lot of good hitters. Robinson Cano is still really good. They have D. Gordon, I guess, is okay. But Gene Segura, Mitch Haniger. Yeah, Mitch Haniger is, uh, is really awesome. He's a great player, and I think a lot of people don't know who he is. But this Mariners lineup is still an above-average offense. I think it's just... It's just a little too high of a price for Cueto. Like, if he was in the same range price-wise as some of the other guys we like, then I think I'd use him, but he's just a little too expensive. Like, I, I don't think he's a terrible play. Um, Carlos, Carlos Martinez also, I think he has a lot of upside, but he doesn't have a lot of tournament upside. So the way I'll say it is he has point-scoring upside, but it's still not worth it because he's going to be popular, like you said. I think that that's a pretty good guess that a lot of people will use him. And... The Brewers struck out a lot last year, but they have kind of a different offense now. They have Christian Yelich, Lorenzo Cain. It should be a better offense overall, even if it's a little overrated. Uh, Martinez strikes out a lot of guys. He walks a lot of guys. It's a hitter's park. He's 10,200. He's going to be popular. So I, I don't think I'll roster any of him because he should be highly owned. But even if he wasn't, I think I, I think this is kind of just fair. I think this is about what he should cost. And there are just some really good values in the mid-range. So we should just get to those. Because I think Cueto and Martinez are okay. But for ownership and just better plays reasons, I, I wouldn't use them. Okay, so the pitcher who I think has the most upside on the slate 
maybe not even relative to his price, maybe just total of any pitcher, the most point-scoring upside is John Gray, 8,500. So some bad outings over the last couple of years. He's had some very good outings. But one thing to keep note of with the bad outings is he makes half his starts at Coors Field, which is brutal for for pitching. He's had some monster games against the Padres over the last couple of seasons also because they tip, they typically haven't had a good offense. They are going to be a little bit better this year, except I still don't think it's a great offense. I still think they're going to strike out a lot. And John Gray has the upside to be a top-end starter. So John Gray against the Padres in San Diego, which even though San Diego is not the great pitcher's park it once was, it's a great for John Gray who makes half the starts at Coors Field. So John Gray is my favorite pitcher on the slate. Do you agree with that, Matt? Yeah, definitely my favorite pitcher on the slate. Uh, the Padres also, I think, are still without Will Myers. Uh, he didn't play tonight, and he, he was hurt yesterday. I don't know exactly what's going on with him. Um, you said before we started, he's, he's day-to-day with the triceps injury? Yeah. Okay, so we don't know for sure that he's going to be out of the lineup. Uh, John Gray actually had a worse ERA on the road last year than he did at home, strangely. Uh, but it was very, very much impacted by luck. So 313 ERA at home, 406 on the road. Uh, but at home, he was 7.5 Ks per nine and three walks per nine. On the road, John Gray was 11.2 Ks per nine and 1.7 walks per nine. Uh, FIP of three flat and an XFIP of 268. That That's as good as any pitcher on the road could possibly perform. And I, I don't know what happened for his ERA. I mean, the BABIP was very high, 371. Uh, the home run fly ball rate was high. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not really sure what happened. He just got very, very unlucky in road games. I'm looking for the hard contact percentage just to like see if there's something going on there. Uh, but it doesn't look like... I mean, 29% on the road is still reasonable. So I think John Gray just got really luck- unlucky in away games last year. He should be a lot better this year. The strikeouts are certainly there. Um, just for reference on FanDuel, compared to DraftKings, Johnny Cueto is the most expensive pitcher, pitcher but uh, John Gray actually costs more than Carlos Martinez. Uh, I don't think it's crazy at all to say that Gray should outperform Martinez just independent of price. Like I, I think Gray should be the most expensive pitcher on DraftKings. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely my feeling. Also, also, who do you think is better as a pitcher, John Gray or Carlos Martinez? Because I think it's pretty comparable. Yeah, I think they're very similar. Um, it's and it's an easier matchup for Gray. So it's I I don't think their pricing should even be that close. Like I think if I was trying to make the fairest pricing, like if we were responsible for it, I think Gray could be a thousand dollars more than Martinez. I think that would be completely reasonable. So. Yeah, the, the, the pricing just doesn't make sense. Gray, Gray is a lot cheaper, and he has more expected output by a decent amount. All right, so my second favorite pitcher to use here, Aaron, 800, the White Sox. Uh, can you say that again? Because we actually had a slight audio glitch. It's been good so far, but I didn't I didn't oh, hear the no. name. I know who you're saying, but just say it again. Oh, I don't, no. It's okay. All right, so Aaron Sanchez is 7,800. Matt knows about that because we – often talk about the players before the podcast starts. So we both like Aaron Sanchez at 7,800. He's at home against the White Sox. Sanchez has kind of a limited amount of strikeout upside, but I think that could be offset by how often the White Sox strike out. And then also you take into account only a 7,800 price tag. He's very likely to pick up the win here because uh, Carson Fulmer starting on the other side for the White Sox. He's awful, and the White Sox also have a bad bullpen. So Aaron Sanchez, seventy eight hundred. I think he's a very safe play, and price. I think there's enough upside to roster him in GPPs 
the picture that I'm unsure of what to make as a play is Sean Manaya at 8,200. So I know you like Aaron Sanchez, Matt, but we haven't talked about Manaya. What do you think of him? Um, so first, of, first, I guess I'll just agree with you on Aaron Sanchez, just so everyone can hear it, because yeah, we did talk about this before we started. We both like Aaron Sanchez. Uh, I agree with everything you said there, and even though Sanchez is low strikeout upside. I think he has a lot of upside just to pitch deep into the game and maybe there's potential for a complete game bonus or shutout bonus or definitely the win bonus with uh, being a big favorite. And he shouldn't be that popular because his numbers just aren't that good over the last few years. Um, maybe just because of the Vegas line, there is some popularity on him, but I, I don't think it'll be out of control. Like I, I still think more people will use Carlos Martinez. So actually I, I'm not really sure about that. Sanchez could be a little chalky, but I do like him anyway. Um, Manaya though, he was just kind of okay last year, and he's a young pitcher. Like, he should be better. Manaya is 26 years old. He's dealt with some injuries. Um, he's only pitched two partially full seasons. Uh, he's made 54 career starts, well, 55, including the one this year. Um, he was good in his first start of the season, and projection systems, uh, Zips and Steamer, kind of have him a little bit better than he was last year, about 8Ks per nine and just under three walks per nine. I think Manaya is potentially a little above league average. He strikes out a decent amount of guys. The, the Rangers are strikeout prone, especially against lefties, and it's a home game in a pitcher's park in Oakland. So I'll say Manaya is the riskiest of the mid-tier. Um, the Rangers have a lot of power. Uh, the fences aren't shorter in Oakland. I'll reiterate that point that we mentioned on most podcasts. Uh, the, the value is that there's a lot of foul ground, so a lot of pop-ups that would otherwise go out of play are just caught in foul territory. So it, it makes it easier overall for pitchers, but that doesn't change the downside too much. You can still give up home runs in Oakland. I think Manaya is a boomer bust play, and I think he's worth having exposure to, but I have a lot more confidence in Gray and in Aaron Sanchez. All right, so moving into the offenses, the offense that I expect to have the most output on the slate is the Toronto Blue Jays. I also think they're going to be the highest owned offense on the slate. I think they're fine to roster just because the output is so high and they're not that expensive. Do you agree that the Blue Jays should score the most runs on the slate, just ignoring anything like pricing or ownership, just pure runs, Blue Jays, you expect to score the most? Well, based on the Vegas line, yes. I'm just pulling up Carson Fulmer's numbers quickly to see if there's some sort of bias there. And uh, looking at the line movement, there could be some sharp money here on the White Sox. Like, minus 200, I think, is a bit high here. Uh, There's a lot of line movement to the under so far. So I think what that suggests is that the White Sox offense is overvalued against Aaron Sanchez. I think Sanchez is a little underrated for the matchup. But I also think that the Blue Jays offense could be a little overvalued too against Carson Fulmer. Uh, So Fulmer is very much an unknown. He's 24 years old. Um, He had very good numbers in the low levels of the minor leagues. Uh, In double A in 2016, he was good, but walked a lot of guys. He wasn't really good in triple A last year. <laughs> yeah, no, this, this is what I'm getting to. So he got called up in 2016 after not pitching well uh, in AAA. He was only good in AA, and as a reliever, he was awful. He had an 850 ERA and pretty bad peripherals. So that didn't go well, and then they tried him out in AAA last year, and they were he, his numbers were bad, and then when he came up to the majors, he had a 386 ERA, but the peripherals were very bad. It was 7.3 Ks per nine and five walks per nine. Uh, looking at Fulmer's numbers, yeah, I, I don't see much reason for optimism. So the Blue Jays are a very strong target, I think. There's nothing uh, overvalued about them just looking at Fulmer's numbers. I mean, maybe they're just overrated as a hitting team. Uh, I guess the reason the over-under is dropping is probably because 
uh, of the White Sox offense against Aaron Sanchez. Um, yeah, I, I like the Blue Jays offense a lot, but I think they are worth considering for a fade just for the ownership reason. So I don't know. How chalky do you think they'll be? They're definitely going to be the highest owned offense. Uh, at the higher stakes, they're going to be higher on they are at the lower stakes. But I, I still, uh, I still think I don't think they're going to be so high that they're not usable. So rostering the Blue Jays, uh, they're not the only stack I'm going to use, and I'm probably going to have less exposure to them tomorrow night than I did tonight because I think there are some other spots that I re- well, I know there are other spots that I really like uh, both in the both sides of the Milwaukee game. So the Cardinals are. Big park upgrade for them playing in Milwaukee with, uh, who's starting for Milwaukee? I just had this a second ago. Uh, Julius Chassin is starting for the Brewers. He's decent pitcher for a lot of his career, except I, I think that, let me see, what were his numbers? Although he did have, uh, sorry, I'm getting off track a little bit. Didn't he have some like weird numbers where he pitched well at Coors Field for some reason, Matt? Yeah, but he hasn't been on the Rockies in a couple of years, so that was uh, you're you're dating back a little too far, I think. He was traded to the Padres in 2016, I think that's when it was. Uh, he hasn't pitched on the Rockies since 2014, so yeah, he did. He he went a really long time in one of the seasons with the Rockies without allowing a homer, but that's uh, yeah, that's that's old news at this point. Um, Chastain's numbers last year were definitely bad, but he he did outperform his peripherals. Uh, 389 ERA, 426 FIP, 454 X FIP. He, he's not good, and I'm pretty sure he was a lot worse against lefties. So we'll get that info, and then I, I mean, I do, I do think the Cardinals are worth using, um, but maybe it's only the lefties. So Chassin against righties, 8.6 Ks per nine, 2.4 walks per nine, 322 FIP, 366 X FIP. Um, he, he was very tough for right-handed hitters, but against lefties, 6.5 Ks per nine, 4.9 walks per nine. 546 FIP and 555 XFIP. So it, it could be a little bit of a matchup problem for St. Louis. They don't really have left-handed hitters. Uh, Matt Carpenter would be the one guy I'd use, but I don't really like the other guys too much. They are cheap, so they're worth considering for that reason. Um, and Dexter Fowler is a switch hitter, so him at 3,300, uh, he can bat from the left side against against Chassin. Uh, I think I would use Carpenter and I would use Fowler. They're both under 4,000, but I don't really like the Cardinals that much as a stack. Uh, so if you don't like the Cardinals and you want to fade the Blue Jays, I do like the Brewers lefties, something we talked about before. Carlos Martinez has been good against righties during his career, but he's been very bad against lefties. This is a strong hitting environment in Milwaukee. Milwaukee has a bunch of good lefties, uh, Christian Yelich, Eric Thames. But do they have enough lefties to stack, and is that a team that you'd want to stack overall? Yeah, I think they do. Um, I think I'd predominantly stack the Blue Jays and mix the Brewers in, but I think Brewers stacks warrant consideration too. Uh, just touching on something else, I think Chassin, because of this platoon matchup that's really favorable, could be worth considering at pitcher also for 6,200, um, especially if you're playing him alongside Brewers stacks for the win bonus correlation. So I don't, I don't think I like Chassin. I'm going, I'm going to Wait, I'm going to disagree with you there because I don't like Chassin at all, and I'm not rostering him. Okay. Uh, I may roster him with Brewer Stacks. I think I probably will, but I definitely wouldn't roster him outside of Brewer Stacks. He just He's so good against right-handed hitting, and the Cardinals only have right-handed hitting. 
They have two left-handed batters. Uh, and I guess Colton Wong could play, but he's bad. I guess we'll see what the Cardinals lineup looks like. So just uh, I'll, I'll get back to the Brewers offense. We can figure out Chastain later, probably tomorrow. Um, yeah, Christian Yelich is a good play, 4,600. Travis Shaw, 4,000. Eric Thames will probably start at 3,900. I think I would still use Lorenzo Cain, even though he's right-handed. I think him and Ryan Braun are just more marginal. Um, so it's really just those three left-handed hitters that the Brewers have. I'm very high on those guys. And then the stack overall, I think it's kind of just a decent play. But those three hitters for sure are, are guys I'll have a lot of exposure to. So you're backtracking on fading the Blue Jays then? Oh, no, no. I'm just saying it's worth considering fading them. I, I oh, don't okay. think I will fade them. Uh, I, I just want to think about it. So just, yeah, I'll just do that. I think I've already thought about that one. I, I don't think I'll really fade them. Okay. Uh, so for me, I think the offense I really want to target, I, I still like the Cardinals offense just because it's a strong hitting environment. And they have a lot of really good hitters this year. Like the Cardinals lineup with Matt Carpenter, Dexter Fowler, Paul DeYoung, Ozuna, Tommy Pham. It's a lot of really good hitters, and they're all pretty cheap. So you could easily roster all those guys together with with John Gray and Aaron Sanchez. Well, also because Gray and Sanchez aren't that expensive. So I, I, I think that they're fine to target. The issue I have with Chassin also is that the pitchers we like, who I think are better plays, are only marginally more expensive. And they're just there isn't a place to spend up for bats on this slate, I don't think. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, it's just not there's not much reason to go that cheap at pitcher unless you think um, Gray and Chas, I mean Gray and um, Sanchez will be higher owned. So you know what? I, I think the route I would go uh, for higher stakes, I guess, if anyone listening plays at higher stakes, is Chasin is more of an ownership play there because um, the Cardinals are probably a sharper pick. Uh, they're cheaper. I think they do make sense, and I think especially if you're not too worried about the platoon advantage that Chasin may have. Um, so for, for a higher-end tournament, Chassin is going to be lower-owned. The Cardinals should be higher-owned. There's more leverage on him, and especially if the mid-tier pitchers have more ownership. But for lower stakes, for like 150 max entries for like a $5 tournament on DraftKings, I think I'd still stick with the mid-tier pitchers and use mostly the Blue Jays' bats, um, the Brewers' lefties. But I think that the offense that I prefer to the Milwaukee game, either side of it, is probably the A's. Um, the A's are facing Doug Fister at home. And like I said, the, the Oakland uh, fences are not deep fences. It's just strangely a pitcher's park for all those other reasons. Uh, Chris Davis and Matt Olson are a little bit expensive, but there's so much home run upside against Fister. Uh, those are two fly ball hitters against a ground ball pitcher, and that creates a kind of a platoon advantage of sorts from their styles. Um, and the rest of the A's are really cheap. Jed Lowry's 3,300. Marcus Semien's 36. Uh, and then you can go way down here and find Steven Biscotti at 29. I think Matt Joyce is injured right now. But those A's guys, I think, have as much upside as the Blue Jays. Uh, and the Vegas line is a pretty similar implied output. Um, so the A's are minus 150 favorites with a 9 total. And the Blue Jays are minus 200 favorites with a, with a 9 total. But uh, the juice is on the under for that. So it's it's actually close. It's a slightly higher total in Oakland. And the A's are just smaller favorites. Um, I don't think there's that much different in expe- difference in expected output, and the A's are actually a little cheaper than the Blue Jays are. Uh, I still I still prefer the Blue Jays. Just let you. I'll, I'll wait till you say why. Uh, so the reason I prefer the Blue Jays is I, I think that 
I think Oakland is still a very solid play. But the main reason I prefer the Blue Jays is just because as shitty as Doug Fister is, I think that Carson Fulmer is worse. Yeah, I think I think that's true. That is the difference. Doug Fister is not that bad. Um, but the bullpens for both teams are bad. I guess Oakland should be a lot lower owned, especially the guys that aren't Chris Davis and Matt Olson. I think all the Blue Jays hitters will be pretty chalky. Um, I, I still prefer the Blue Jays too. I just think I like the A's more than the Brewers and Cardinals. And the A's have close enough expected output to the Blue Jays that I would either try to make combo stacks that have both teams or just do sort of a mix where some stacks are Blue Jays and some are A's. So I think my main route for the slate is stacking the Blue Jays for the, as the team I use the most, um, using the A's and Brewers the most as plugs, and then I think my secondary stack would be Oakland. Yeah, I, uh, I'm on board with that also. So that is going to wrap up today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter, GRMBirdDFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense, and we'll be back for tomorrow's sleep.